0: Hello, all. I have a great episode for you here. I'm going to talk about who I think will win NFL Coach of the Year for next season and some of the candidates for that on their new teams or teams that they already have been on and who I think have a chance of winning that award. Um, I'm also going to talk about how the NBA has gone over the first three or four days here and kind of talk about some of the big games that have happened and some of the big games that'll happen over the next week and go over a little bit of that stuff just kind of talk about the NBA some with that because there isn't much going on elsewhere I'm going to talk about as actually in the last episode I kind of talked about how baseball's had a coronavirus problem and stuff now I'm gonna kind of just dive into the baseball scores and like what teams have started off hot so far through the first six of the season in baseball and all that stuff I'm gonna kind of dive into that and talk about how baseball starts gone and which is a good team so far and then I will also to talk about who I think will be Comeback Player of the Year in the NFL next season um, as we're nearing the NFL season, and I will do my NFL and college football full-on previews sometime very, very soon here um, because we're nearing that season, though it doesn't look like college football or the NFL may actually happen, so we're going to have to see how, how both these go, but I will do my Comeback Player of the Year predictions for the NFL here, and as always, I'll end my episode with a hot take, this time about Patrick Holmes um, and kind of how I think he will do in the MVP voting. Next year, so here we go with that. So, as always, I'm going to begin my episode by kind of going through some of the sports news that I want to address later on in the episode in any of the other um, slots. And so, there are just a couple of things that have happened over the last two days since our last episode. One would be that the Pac-12 players have actually um, threatened to— Pac-12 football players, specifically, but multiple Pac-12 um, sports players have threatened to sit out the coming season, um, threatens to opt out of the coming season— Um, because they and they made a list of demands on injustice and safety to the Pac-12 that need to be met for them to play the season. It includes um, multiple things about racial injustice, um, their safety within the coronavirus stuff, and uh, health insurance, and multiple things like that that they would like met before the season begins here, or else they will sit out. And so this is a very interesting thing to note here, because um, because. You can't have the football players this time deciding to sit out or really or holding out like things like this because the season's very very soon. This could be a serious problem if you have players deciding to sit out at this time in the uh, year right before the season starts. And so I think they should meet the demands obviously because some of them are very clear things that the show have already been met, health insurance, all that stuff should be met considering the circumstances right now. But the Pac-12 needs to be able to handle the circumstances The the situation and circumstances, if they are looking to have a football season here sometime soon. Another thing to note is that CJ Mosley, uh, probably the biggest star yet, or at least one of the biggest stars yet to um, sit out, well, to opt out, has officially opted out of the NFL season. He's a Jets middle linebacker right now who has been to multiple Pro Bowls recently for the last five years, I think. He's been to the Pro Bowl. He's been a great tackler. He's just really fast as middle linebacker and stuff. And so um, he's a very good player, and he's probably the biggest player yet to sit out. But he has announced that he will be sitting out the coming season due to coronavirus and family concerns here with the coronavirus. In case, and the final piece of news to know this is that Yoannis Yoannis Cespedes and Lorenzo Kane, um, yeah, Lorenzo Cain, I think that's his name correctly, um, have both announced <clears throat> that they will be sitting out respectively of their Mets and um Milwaukee Brewers teams because um of the coronavirus risk and they view that baseball is not handling the coronavirus all that well at the moment and dealing with all that stuff and so i think they're just deciding to sit out for, because of family concerns and worry for getting the virus considering how um how the season has gone so far and all the different problems that the MLB's had, and so they're really just sitting out due to worries about themselves and worries about their families. And so these are two high-profile players. Lorenzo Cain's played very well for the Brewers recently, and um, you want to this, who has been injured a fair amount recently and has still played very well for his Mets team when he has been playing. So these are two big players to decide to sit out, and I think this is the first of a string of players who will end up sitting, deciding to opt out um, here very soon due to coronavirus risks and how badly the MLB is handling this situation here. And so I think this could lead to the MLB shutting down here very soon because of problems like this, but they're going to have to monitor how players feel about the situation and how everything is going. So that's all the news I want to address later on in the episode. Now I'm going to move on to talking about who I think will be NFL Coach of the Year for this coming season. So, I am going to kind of talk about who I think are the Coach of the Year candidates in the NFL for the coming season and who I think will end up winning it overall. And I'm kind of going to go through the guys that I think have a good chance of doing it. And So there are a couple of things that could end up getting you to win Coach of the Year. Now, obviously, you could have the straight-up. Your team just plays absolutely amazing all season. That could lead to your team... Um, to a coach getting Coach of the Year, if their team just plays absolutely amazing all season or just does well with that and all that different stuff, I think that they could end up winning Coach of the Year. But usually what happens is they get some sort of injury on their roster or something like that, leads some game. Or they really turn around a team that was really bad the season before and that team ends up being pretty good the next season. So I'm going to go through a couple of guys that I think could get uh, the award for that. And that'd be Cliff Kingsbury would be the first one that kind of comes to mind when you think of coaches that could end up winning it. Cliff Kingsbury used to be the Texas Tech um coach, with his air raid offense and everything, he's a big passer and all that stuff with the spread formations and all that different stuff there. But he transitioned to the Cardinals here, and he did very well last year as their coach, but they only ended up winning five games, which isn't great. And I think I could very easily see the Cardinals um taking a great step up this coming season with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, Isaiah Simmons, all of them, and then their team just getting older and more developed and uh, just better overall. So I could, think, I could see them taking a jump, and I think that would easily lead him to getting Coach of the Year if they were to take that jump and he could push on. And so I think that they could easily get to eight or nine wins. That could lead to him getting Coach of the Year here, and so I think he's a serious, excuse me, candidate in the startup here, well, in the NFL here, just to win it, just because of – um just because of what his team was like last year and what his team will be like next year, considering their additions. Another person they could do is Dan Quinn. I think he'll turn the Falcons around this year and play well, though I think that usually they kind of lean towards the younger coaches who are doing something new, and he really isn't doing that. But I think if he turns his team around that wasn't great last season, I think they could, um, he could win. I think that they could easily turn around because I think the Falcons are very talented this year, as they always are, it seems. And I think they could easily be a playoff team any year here. They just have to get everything going, and if he gets it going, he could easily win this award. Other coaches notable are Sean McDermott. If the Bills take that jump to winning the division of the Patriots, I could see him winning winning it, just coaching them well and stuff. Um, you could see Matt Nagy if he turns around the Bears. I think the Bears have an easy chance of um doing well this season. They have great defense, a lot of talent on the team. I think Mr. Visi will step up finally with that push from Nick Foles. Excuse me. And so I think I could see the Bears doing better in Matt Nagy when he's a younger coach, too, with kind of a different philosophy under that Andy Reid idea, and that could get him in. He's good for that kind of stuff. You could see a person like Zach Taylor getting it with the Bengals, but I don't think the Bengals will improve enough for him to get it, and so I I kind of hold out on that. I'm a little more skeptical about giving him a chance out here. But um, there are a lot of great coaches who could do it. I don't think Mike McCarthy, even though he's kind of coming into a new situation, can do it because it's just something the Cowboys can jump by enough to get him out that place, but he could maybe. I think Big Fangio it has a great chance of being able to do something like this because with the Broncos um, – the Broncos weren't great last year, but I think the Broncos will be much, much better this year with a very talented roster, young quarterback, but tons of talent on defense and offense. I think the Broncos could make the playoffs easily, jumping from like five or six, uh, seven wins last year, actually, sorry. Um, and so that could easily get him the award. Other people note Matt Patricia if he turns around the Lions, um, Bill O'Brien if he weathers the whole storm of the offseason here. And though he is the reason the season's been the way it is. If he does that and turns the team around, makes it the playoffs and stuff, you could see him winning it maybe, though he's a long shot. Um there's no one really else that I think on this list has a real chance. Anthony Lynn for the Chargers actually, if they get going with Justin Herbert and stuff, he could win it. He he they didn't play well last year as a Chargers, but I think the Chargers can easily jump this here with a great roster and all that stuff. There's a great team overall. Maybe Brian Flores for the Dolphins or someone like that. But um I think the person who will end up winning Coach of the Year for the coming season is Kevin Stefanski, and he's pretty much the clear-cut target for this, and he's the coach of the Browns. He This will be his first year as a head coach, and usually they like to give it to first-year head coaches occasionally because they're usually turning around a um <clears throat> a team when they're coming in. It, but um, I think he's coming into a solid situation, though, with a ton of talent on that roster. And so considering he has tons of talent on the roster to do something here, I think that he could very easily lead to getting coach of the year here, just because um his his team's already amazingly talented. He's a solid coach in his own, I think, and so I just think generally he probably he will end up winning coach of the year this year, just because he has such a talented roster. To go along with his mindset, and I think that just having that great roster they 'll probably make they 'll either be very close to making the playoffs or make the playoffs in general there 'll be like nine or ten wins here this season, and so I think he could win it if he jumps them from their six win t- season to nine or ten wins this year. And so I think he is the NFL coach of the year for this season just because of the situation he 's coming into and all that different stuff now i 'm going to move on to talking about how the NBA has gone so far, some of the big games, some of the games to watch, and all that different stuff. Um, and just generally how the NBA has been doing so far in the startup, who the good teams are, who the bad teams are, and all of that. So, so far, the NBA bubble has been going very, very well. The NBA has been able to keep the coronavirus outside of their bubble, although they're not testing the Disney employees Well, they are testing the Disney employees almost every day, but they're not forcing the Disney employees to stay on campus full-time, and so they were running a risk when doing that, but clearly it's worked so far because you have a thing here where the Disney employees are avoiding the, um, the NBA players to the best of their ability and stuff, but, um, the NBA, so far there has not been any problem with that. The NBA players had zero positive tests in the last two, um, full testing results here, and so that's very good to note here. Um, and that means the bubble is working as expected so far and everything's going well, but, um, I think that generally this was expected, they set it up very well, the NBA just seems to be kind of ahead always with these kind of things and so i expect this to continued work here but now i'm gonna kind of dive into how the team's been doing so far and talking about some of the games that have happened and some of the games over the next couple of days and so the first thing to note on thursday night in the opening night we had the jazz versus the pelicans in the first game which the jazz barely snuck a win by and i don't think the jazz are all that good so far from what i've seen i don't really love the jazz for the start up here i don't think the jazz are that great of a team i think that they lost uh, Boban Bogdanovich, um, because, and I think that's actually a big loss because I thought he was a very good player when he was playing with them before. And so I just don't see the Jazz being able to do all that much here, but they barely beat the Pelicans in that first start game. And then you had the Lakers and the Clippers, with the Lakers just barely pulling by to get a win over the Clippers. I, the, although I do have the Clippers beating the Lakers in the long run for the championship, I still believe that... um. That I still believed that the Lakers would beat the Clippers in this game here, just because I the Clippers are missing Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. Um, they didn't play Pat Bev all that much in that game, and so you're missing a lot of these key bench players right now. And I just don't think the Clippers have really been a regular season team for all that long here. They've really been almost like they they play well in the in the playoffs, but they're kind of not a full on. And they're not trying their hardest in the regular games here. And so I think that it makes sense. The Lakers won that game, but they only barely beat the Clippers. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. On the second day, there were some big games, notable games to note here. Um, you had the Trailblazers beating the Grizzlies in a big match up there in an overtime game. You had the Bucks only beating the Celtics by seven points in a very big game. And then you also had the Rockets uh, barely game by the Mavericks in overtime as well, which is also very big in that first round, and making all those teams one and oh. Then yesterday, well, actually, it will be by the time this podcast was released, it'll be Saturday. Um, on Saturday, the Heat beat the Nuggets by a fair amount, twenty points. There, we watched the Clippers absolutely murder the Pelicans, setting a um three points, uh record, three point uh field goals made record for a single game when they did that. I think it was like twenty five or twenty six. That they hit in that game. We watched the Pacers barely beat the Seventy Sixers, and to note on the Pacers Seventy Sixers game, um, there were some very big stat lines there. We TJ Warren went off for fifty three points in that game, which is the largest total uh scoring, the largest points in a single game so far in the bubble. Um, in the start here though, there have only been a couple of days. He played very well in that game, and that makes the Suns probably be kind of annoyed right now because they gave him up for just cash at the beginning of the season here. Um, and so he's playing very well now for that Pacers team and with 53 points that game. But then also in that game, which has been undershadowed, and I don't understand why, it must be just because uh, TJ Warren went for 53 points. Joel and B also had 41 points and 21 rebounds, which is an insane stat line for a single game. But That hasn't really been noticed all that much just because TJ Warren was so amazing. But that was a very interesting game between the Pacers. The Pacers just barely eked out versus the 76ers there. And then we watched the Raptors handily beat the Lakers in a game that kind of showed the Lakers' weaknesses and that the Raptors actually may be around to um stay here. And so other notable games from today, when this is being recorded on Sunday, um, we had the Spurs barely beat the Grizzlies, meaning actually I'd also like to note that now in the race, though at the beginning of the playoffs, the Pelicans were in the leading spot of all of the teams that are outside the playoffs with the Grizzlies, um, by, I think, three games or so. And we've watched the Trailblazers jump into that spot there, down by two games. And then we also watched today when the Trailblazers l- lost to the Celtics, my Celtics, in that very, very close game, which we watched Jason Tatum get started back up again and playing very well after getting five points on Friday. Um, <clears throat> He went for 34 today, and, J- and Jason Brown also... Not Jason Brown. Jalen Brown also had 30 in this game, and so those two contributed a lot. But, um... We watched the Trailblazers lose, and then the Spurs end up beating the Grizzlies today, as I said. And so the Spurs are now the leading team, only down by two, um, who will be able to play the Grizzlies in that uh, little small playoff matchup thing if they get to that point, because they're only down by two games here at the at the moment here get with the Grizzlies. And we've seen the Spurs, although when I made my projection off the bat to have the Trailblazers beat the Grizzlies for that eighth seed there, and I still believe the Trailblazers will end up making it for the 8th seed over the Grizzlies. I did have it crossed my mind that the Spurs could make a run for that spot just because Popovich has never missed the, or has only one season missed the playoffs. And he's made it for like 20 same straight seasons here. And so I had that go through my mind that I think Popovich could end up making it, excuse me, to um make it into the playoffs here just because he's made it so often he always finds a way. And if he ends up doing it, it will be absolutely amazing considering this first team is not at all that great. They had Jante Murray, who's been okay. They have Patty Mills, who's been okay. They've had Derek White, who's played very well. But then they also had um, DeMar DeRozan, who's really stepped up recently and played well on that team and um, has been a big contributor getting both of the free throws to win the game against the Grizzlies in the last game. So the Spurs could make that run, but it really be interesting to see. A couple of games, I'm just not, not going to really dive into these, but I'm just going to kind of say which they are. A couple of games to note for the coming weeks here, uh, for the coming week or so here, we have the Raptors in the heat tomorrow at 1.30. Big game there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to see the Magic and the Pacers on Tuesday in a matchup that I think will be good. And the Celtics and the Heat on Tuesday in their matchup that will be good. Along with the Rockets and the Trailblazers also on Tuesday in a matchup that will be good. Um, a couple of other notable games later on here. You'll have the Raptors and the Magic. Um, Heat and the Bucks on Thursday. But those are really the only games in the near future that matter all that much. And those are some of the ones to watch here. It'll just be interesting to see how the whole thing continues on and how everything goes in the bowl. But so far, it's been good. Some teams have gone hot. Some teams have gone cold. And it'll just be interesting to see how... Everything goes so far and by far my Wizards prediction is still doing well. O and 2 from the last episode. We'll see if they can get to O and 8 here, but so far they're O and 2 losing to the Nets, who are arguably the second worst team to them in the whole thing here, and losing to the Suns, who are arguably the third worst team in the whole thing here. And so it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but so far the Wizards have been awful as I predicted. And so That's really all that's going on in the NBA right now. Now I'm going to kind of move on to talking about the MLB and how baseball looks at the moment with its problem and everything going on there. So... In this very small segment here, I'm thinking like two, three minutes, I'm just gonna kind of going to go over the MLB standings so far, who the really good teams are, who the really bad teams are, and how it all looks at the moment, considering they, it may be get, going down very soon, but the teams are doing very well at the moment and see how my predictions have been going so far. And so at the moment, it looks very interesting in the MLB. You have the Yankees who are doing very well on one side of the thing being probably the best team in the whole be at the moment, six and one. Dodgers are doing very well at the moment as we predicted and all that different stuff. And so far it's just it's been very interesting to watch. The Orioles have been surprising at five and three. The Red Sox have been terrible at three and six, but the Rays have been not all that great at four and six. And we still thought they'd be good. The twins are seven and two as most projected. I thought that the twins would do very well as well. Um, and so that's going well, but the Indians are only five and five, and I thought they'd do better, um, and so, we can see how that goes. You also have the Astros, who are five and four, they're not all that great, and then you all, and you have the Athletics, who are five and four as well, and so that's not a great division in the AL West at the moment, um, it's kind of just all, very average with the, the teams only being separated by two and a half games from top to bottom, um, and so far, the best team is the Yankees team that only has one loss. so the only team in the whole league with one loss. Um, but the worst team, it looks like, at the moment, is the Pirates because they have, they're have 2-7. and seven. Um, There is one team that has one only one win, but that's the Phillies, and they've only played a total of three games. And, um, and so by overall percentage winning-wise, it is the Pirates who have the worst winning percentage so far in the league. But you have... Um, the Braves at 7-3 and three in the NL East, they've been very good so far. They've played really, really well, and they've just been a very, very good team overall. I thought they'd be good this year. Freddie Freeman, um, Ozzy Albies, and Ronald Acuna Jr. as well. And then I also thought that um, that the Phillies would be good, but so far they're 1-2, and two, as I said, only playing three games, and so they've not been all that great. The Mets are 3-7. and seven. I kind of thought the Mets would be slightly better than that. Um, but so far they have not been great as well. In the you NL know, Central, you have the Cubs leading there at seven and two. I didn't really see that happening. I thought the Cardinals would be good, but they've only played total five games because of the shutdown. They're two and three in those five games, and so. It'll be interesting to see how that goes, considering that their organization has a problem with the virus. And then in the NL West, you have the Rockies leading that division, actually, at 6-2. But you have the real contenders and Dodgers at 7-3 and, and the Padres at 6-4. And, four. and I thought both of them would be good. And so far, both of them have actually been very good in the start here. And so there are a lot of really good teams here in, in the start-up so far. There's some good games. The Yankees and the Red Sox are playing right now, but the Yankees are sweeping them. Because the Red Sox aren't all that great season, which makes me sad and stuff. But um, so far, it's been good. Most of my predictions have been kind of average here. I've gotten my, my two World Series teams have been um very good so far. Dodgers 7-3, Yankees uh, 6-1, I think. Um, and Both those teams have been very good. But through about a sixth of the total season at about 10 games for t- some teams, it's going well so far. It'll just be interesting to see how everything goes here if the MLB ends up making it, considering they're only a sixth of the way through and they already have two teams basically out of it and the Cardinals and the uh, Marlins who are both kind of out and um, you also have the um, Phillies who aren't really doing much right now too. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out um, but we'll just have to um, see what happens and so that's the standings at the moment in the MLB and now I'm going to move on to talk about who I think will come back player of the year in the NFL for this coming season. (laughs) So, for Comeback Player of the Year in the NFL, in this coming season, there are some obvious candidates, and I think there's some other players, and on, honestly, it's very often a quarterback who either didn't play well or was benched or something like that the prior season who ends up winning it because he either gets his job back or gets traded to a new team and plays well there, or something like that. Some previous winners have been at other positions. I could see a player like J.J. Watt, who was kind of out for part of last season, winning it this year, um... I think that he's an amazing defender, but I think he's kind of underrated now because he's been so injured recently, and so I think he could end up winning it this season if he plays very well because I think he was injured for part of last season as well. we have to see with that. <clears throat> there are many other players, though, who I think really contend for um, this award, and it would just be interesting to see. The number one favorite at the moment, just overall, I think is a player like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like Rob Gronkowski. Who sat out last season and just coming back into the league, and so many people believe he will end up winning this award. I think that he's an amazing tight end. He he's one of the best in the league. I think top ten at least right now. He was the best before he left. I just don't know how well he'll be when he how good he'll be when he gets back into the um full of things here in the start here. But I think he'll be very very good overall. I just don't know if he can really win this award. I think that the Buccaneers will really use him only mainly in, like, red zone, like, sets and stuff like that. I don't think they're going to use them a ton, or in the early season, at least, um, on the majority of the field. I think they're going to just use him inside the 20, really. Um, because I think he is that big body who can go up and catch the ball really well, reliable, all that stuff, and he's just an overall great player. That He is a good in-the-field kind of presence, but he's not incredibly fast or anything like that, and especially since you're working him in to playing here since he's been out for a little while, they really might just use him in the red zone. And so I think since you'd be using him only in the red zone, though that may rack up tons of touchdowns, I just don't think that he'll get enough yardage and all that stuff to win the award because he just won't be used enough overall um, throughout the season to get that award, though he may be used more at the end of the season. And so some of the candidates really now are the quarterbacks. I think a quarterback like Marcus Mariota could end up winning comeback player of the year. He's kind of like a Ryan Tannehill candidate, especially since he was with Ryan Tannehill. It would be funny if he won it. Um, didn't, I think Ryan Tannehill won it this past season because he got benched by the Dolphins and traded it as backup and then won the job. Um, but if Marcus Mariota did it, it would be kind of funny if he ended up winning the award. He'd have to, after he got traded to the Raiders in the offseason area, he'd have to start, uh, Derek Carr would have to not play that well, and then Marcus Mariota would have to step in and play very well for a Raiders team. Um, this season I could easily see that happening. I just don't think Derek Carr will play bad enough throughout the season for Marcus Mariota to end up having to step in here in the season. I think Mariota actually is a solid quarterback, I think he'll find somewhere <clears throat> where he'll be a good quarterback sometime here, or at least we'll get to play well somewhere sometime. I just don't see it being on that roster scene this year with uh, Derek Carr, and I just don't see him doing it there. There are a couple other choices um throughout the league. I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks who like got new teams and things like that if james winston were to have to step in on the saints um this coming season if like drew Brees got injured or something like that again i don't think that i i think it'd be difficult for him to win because like he had a season last year which you could consider a okay season considering he led the league in passing yards and touchdowns um and so it'd be difficult um to consider it a comeback season if he were to step in and play well on that su- Saints team. But I could see him easily stepping in and playing very well on that Saints team um in the uh, just overall here and stuff like that. I another player to notice here that I just kind of thought of was Phil Rivers because he didn't have a great season last year throwing like 20 receptions or something here. And so if he um if he were to play really well in the Colts here, he might be able to even win as Comeback Player of the Year because he didn't play so well last year and he might be able to step in. But the person, I think, who is going to win Comeback Player of the Year in the NFL this season is, and it's not one that's really been talked about at all, I think Mitchell Trubisky, Will Trubisky, I don't know how to say that, will end up winning um, NFL Comeback Player of the Year as the quarterback of the Bears. And I, this is an interesting one. I'm going to kind of talk you through why I think it is. He did not play well last year, obviously. That's why they traded for Nick Foles in the offseason here, to either win the job or at least give him a time to competition. And so most people believe Nick Foles will end up winning this job. I think Nick Foles is a solid quarterback, too. But what I think is going to end up happening is, I think in this offseason here, they know Mitchell Trubisky well and all that stuff. I think what's going to happen is M- Nick Foles will push Mitchell Trubisky, make him a little better, make him actually have to Work for his job here, and keep um and keep that uh just keep them pushing and all that different stuff. But um I think that <clears throat> excuse me, I think that Mitchell Trubisky will because he has that push from Nick Foles here right now. I think that he will be able to win the Chicago Bears starting job because I think he's an okay quarterback once he gets going. I think that he'll play well this season in his start when he gets started up for the Chicago Bears. And I think he will come back for the year because he will win the job over Nick Foles after he's pushed. I think that he didn't play well last season, so he can win it. I think he'll come in, he'll play for the Bears this season, and he won't look back. And I think he'll lead up, end up leading to Bear, the Bears to the playoffs or so. It's like a wild card or something in that division, or maybe even winning the division here. And I think he will end up winning NFL comeback player of the year just because of how, not how great of a season he had last year. But he will step up here. So I, it'll be interesting to see how he does it here and how well he does this season. But I believe that Mitchell Trubisky will be the NFL comeback player of the year for this season and step up from what he did last year. Just overall. And so that is my NFL comeback player of the year. Now I'm going to move on to my hot take. So, my hot take for this episode is that Patrick Mahomes, who we all believe is a great quarterback overall, and who many believe will be either the MVP or one of the top MVP candidates for next season will not be a top 10 finisher in the MVP voting for the coming season. And though you would think it can't really be a hot take if you are just saying he'll be outside of top 10 um, in MVP voting, but I think considering his stature and how well he's played recently and how highly thought of he has been recently, I think that Patrick Mahomes just will not live up to the hype that he's going to have next season. I think he's a very good quarterback, obviously. I think he'll lead his team to the playoffs again and play well and all that stuff. I think he'll be a Pro Bowl-level quarterback. But I don't think that Patrick Mahomes will finish in the top 10 of the MVP voting for the coming season. I just don't think that he can have as good a season as he's had the last two years. I think that he will that he loses a little bit of talent here. It'll be interesting to see if all his players stay healthy and everything like that because he's had a fair amount of health recently other than the Tyreek Hill injury earlier last season, some Sam Watkins problems. And so I think also the loss of Damian Williams will affect him in some senses too because I think Damian Williams is a bigger piece than everyone thought he actually was on that offense. And so I just think Patrick Holmes will have a little bit of a slump from what he did last season, though I don't think that means anything on his playoff uh, ability and everything like that excuse me I just think that Patrick Holmes will end up being outside of the top 10 in the MVP voting for the coming season which is my hot take because most people think he's a top 5 if not the winner of the MVP for the coming season and so Patrick Holmes will be outside the top 10 in MVP voting in the NFL season here assuming there is one and that is my hot take so thank you for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it we'll continue to put out content twice every week we'll have another episode out on friday of this coming week so i hope you will listen to that episode as always like and subscribe follow on spotify and rate five stars on itunes and um and apple podcasts along with leaving a review as possible well um and and comments as well always because we love to see comments and things like that and so thank you so much for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it and um we are looking for that co-host as I said the last couple episodes though we're still kind of working on all that stuff and I'm still kind of going through all the logistics of adding a co-host and all those different things like that but we will be working on that and um that will be coming soon so thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed and Good